Hungry for change in your life? Feed your ambition with Board Bia Talent Academy's Insights and Innovation Program. Get some incredible food for thought with a fully funded master's from DCU Business School. Learn from world-class innovators with placements in Irish food, drink and horticulture companies. And do it all while bringing home the bacon with a generous monthly bursary. Sound like your cup of tea? Nourish your career prospects by visiting boardbia.ie forward slash talent academy. Applications closing soon. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. I'm, I'm conscious I don't want to climb too hard into this Irish team. They've had a bad day out and it still took the last kick of the game and a pretty poorly managed last two minutes to beat them. So it's the same thing as the kind of New Zealand game. But I think, you know, you, be, you would be a little bit concerned about in the big ones, what, what are they thinking? Are, are, you know, what's the kind of introspection like this week? And I think, by the way, uh, if that meeting was pretty tough on the players, I think the coaching staff will need to have a real look at themselves as well. Every week on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode contains graphic content that some listeners may find upsetting. Today on the Indo Daily, the victim who testified against her own killer before she died. Franklin County Sheriff's Office, can I help you? Somebody just set a woman on fire, but she just ignited immediately. Okay, she's still on fire, sir? He just grabbed a fire extinguisher from inside Speedway. She's on the ground. I mean, it was bad. Judy was horrifically burned in 2015 after being doused with gasoline and set on fire by her ex-boyfriend. Judge is expected to decide whether or not Judy Malinowski can testify against her accused killer. This is through a deposition that she recorded before her death. We hear the harrowing story of Judy Malinowski, who suffered 90% burns at the hands of her partner, but was determined to share her truth and get justice. She knew she was going to die. Everybody knew she was going to die. I can't imagine in that amount of pain, with that knowledge, persevering the way she did, getting a law changed, and then agreeing to testify at her own murder trial. I'm Fiannon Sheen, and today I'm joined by Sheila Flynn, lifestyle and culture reporter with the London Independent, to tell us how a woman defied all medical odds to make history in the US justice system. Sheila, tell me about Judy Malinowski and her early life. So Judy was born in 1983 in a suburb of Columbus, the capital of Ohio, in a very middle-class, kind of down-home America, suburban area, go to football games on Friday nights. She grew up uh, the oldest, and she has a sister, Danielle, and a brother, Patrick, with Down syndrome, who both have spoken at length about her loss eventually and what happened to her. But in her early life, Judy was bubbly. She was popular. She participated in beauty pageants and was named Miss Miss New Albany, the name of her town, as well as being crowned homecoming queen. And then she went on to go to Ohio State. And how did life then progress after that? She, She had kids. Yeah, so Judy had two young daughters, but then she was thrown a curveball and diagnosed with cancer as a young adult. She was treated and it went into remission, but the cancer returned. And she, it was ovarian cancer, so she had to have a full hysterectomy in 2006. Obviously a massive blow to her. How did, how did she cope with that period of her life? 
Well, Judy had the hysterectomy at a really unfortunate period for America and American medicine. Uh, it was when the opioid epidemic was really exploding across the U.S. Doctors were seriously overprescribing painkillers such as OxyContin, and they were highly addictive. And young mothers across the country, as well as other types of people, it wasn't just them. People were going in for surgeries, getting prescribed these, getting seriously addicted, and then turning to street drugs. And that's exactly what happened with Judy. She became addicted to the opioid. She actually expressed concern about it to her mother, saying she felt the pills were becoming addictive. And her mom, in a move she clearly regrets now, told her the doctor prescribed them, keep taking them, I'm sure it's fine. Because at that point in 2006, people, definitely regular people, didn't know how bad this was, this epidemic, and what was happening. So it did happen to Judy. She was addicted. She lost her insurance or she stopped. She gave it up. I'm not entirely sure why she no longer had insurance, but she could no longer access prescriptions. And then she turned to heroin. This is the epidemic that actually plays out in in that TV series with Michael Keaton in, in the last year, Dope Sick. So she is literally a, an example of that. She tries to fight these addictions then that, that she has built up. She did. She, it really seems to hit home for her when she realized she couldn't properly take care of her two young daughters. Her mother had taken full-time care of one of them and her sister was helping with the other. And Judy saw what was happening and knew she had to fix it. So they spent a ton of money and sent her to a private rehabilitation facility. She kicked the habit. She got her girls back. And her sister says it was the first time she really felt like she had her sister back since Judy had kind of spiraled into addiction. And everything seemed to be going well. And then she met a new boyfriend who ruined her life. So this is Michael Slager. What what do we know about him? So Michael Slager had somewhat known Judy previously and he reconnected with her on social media, sending her a message saying he'd always had feelings for her. She looked beautiful and that he loved her. And in her own words, they went on one date and from that moment, he never left her house or left her side. And he was an intimidating guy. He... You know, he had a kind of hard look to him, neck tattoos, and her mother was pretty wary of him. Her mother's name is Bonnie, and Michael Slager apparently drove to Bonnie's house one time, got out in the driveway, and said, don't judge a book by its cover, just because I have tattoos and might look like this. I'm a really good guy. Give me a chance. And this guy was manipulative. He knew how to push the mom's buttons to get her on his side. And he manipulated Judy. And according to her family, he got her back into drugs. Uh, Her sister says he never, as far as she's aware, used drugs himself. But he would go and buy them for Judy. He essentially made her completely dependent upon him for drugs and everything else. It was an undeniably toxic relationship. She called her sister saying he had choked her. Uh, He isolated her in the way that domestic abusers absolutely do. And eventually, it would turn deadly. 
So take me to that fateful day then in August 2015 and, and, and what happened? So it was August 2nd, 2015 and Judy was actually determined again to get clean. She was on her way to rehab and she and Slager got into a fight at an Ohio gas station and she threw a drink at him. He responded by going to his car getting canisters of gasoline, pouring them over her and stepping back for a second. And she she described this after the attack. She said that he stared at her, his eyes were black and just that depth of anger. What happened as a result of having this gasoline poured on you? He backed away from me for about 30 seconds and I looked at him and he pulled a lighter out of his pocket and he started walking towards me and I just remember crying and begging for help and he let me on fire and the look in his eyes were his eyes went back literally after I was set on fire and he backed away his eyes just turned black as I screamed for his help he actually took a lighter and lit her on fire. And I mean, there was gasoline in her throat. It burned her throat. She was yelling for him to stop and he just watched. He didn't do anything. As she was, 90% of her body was set alight as she screamed. It was actually a witness who called 911. That witness was so hysterical. The call, I've listened to it, is incoherent. You can barely tell whether it's a man or a woman speaking. And finally, they get the words out. He, he just set a woman on fire. And it was at that point only when other people were intervening that Blager attempted to kind of get involved and help and start to spin his story that it was an accident. Yes, remarkably, she lives, but there are horrific injuries here. How, how bad is the situation? I mean, doctors still have no idea how she lived essentially her entire body was burned. She had a 110% chance of mortality. That's what the nurse said. Uh, she lost her, she lost some of her fingers, all her hair, most of her skin. Uh, her ears were completely gone. Uh, she just, she didn't look human. And the fact that anyone could survive, and she survived for 23 months, which is miraculous, astonishing, and heartbreaking when you think about the pain she was suffering. This woman underwent uh, almost 60 surgeries, um, n- lots and lots of really painful skin grafts that didn't even work. Her, her, her face was basically gone. You can see her teeth and some of her nose and her eyes, but you could see how her face had been reconstructed with grafts. It looked inhuman. To hear a voice coming from her body, because I've seen the footage, was just shocking. And to, to be a voice as strong and as determined as it was, was just unbelievable. At Talbot House, did you attempt to go to rehab there? Uh, uh, yeah, I tried. And after sitting there for half an hour, after doing all the paperwork, you up and ran out. Him and I discussed it, and he said that he'd rather me just go to Cincinnati with him, and we would wing myself down, and he would let me some and take it with us, and he just would do a lower dose every day. Yeah, and as you say... Slager began to spin his story, but that didn't stack up then once the investigation began by the police. Not at all. First of all, there were witnesses 
that saw him douse her with gasoline and set her alight. And then the best part was there was ATM surveillance footage from across the street. So the cops watched, and I've seen it, him, they watched the truck pull up, they watched her on the grass, they watched him go to the truck, get gasoline, they watched him pour it over her, and they watched her just go up in flames. And the one of the detectives on the case said that scene played out in his dreams far more times than he can count. It was horrific, and it did look like a film. It was unbelievable that another human being could do this in broad daylight in front of people, in any way, I mean, that someone could do this. It was just the most awful, awful type of assault. Because it was captured, it was pretty cut and dry. He, he tried to say it was an accident and that she had asked him for his cigarette after he set her on fire or that she had tried to light a cigarette, but it, it became very evident that he couldn't lie his way out of this. He was charged with aggravated arson and felonious assault. And he was still pleading innocent at that point. Yes. But Judy then woke up from her injuries. She'd been in a coma for several months. When she woke up, as to everybody's surprise, she was able to confirm to detectives that he had, in fact, done this. Uh, so they had Judy's you know, testimony as well. Even though she was in the hospital, she had said this to detectives. And then they raised the possibility of getting her to video testify through a live feed at a trial, like two jurors. So the jurors would know that she was just a few miles away. And the possibility of her testifying, it was even a bit of a bluff on the part of the prosecution. They didn't know if she'd be able to at that point. But just that possibility freaked out Slager and his lawyer enough that they entered a plea. Now, he didn't plead guilty. He pleaded no contest. But he was sentenced by a judge to the maximum for those charges at the time, which was 11 years. And when the judge sentenced him, she said she wished under the law that she could have given him a longer sentence, but she couldn't. And she said that you you appear to be one of those people who just has no soul. She meant no words during sentencing. You've done all the things that just really show what a despicable individual you are. You really do seem like one of those people that have no soul and you need to be incarcerated. So he was, he was put in prison for 11 years on those charges as Judy remained in the hospital. And Judy's testimony, powerful, but, but also just so painful for her to have to, to go through that. This is the thing. Judy Judy didn't actually testify at that trial. She wasn't recorded for it. That was just the prosecution bringing it up as a possibility. It, the, not him taking that plea meant she didn't testify. She would be recorded for testimony for what would turn out to be her own tri- her own murder trial at a later date. So how does that how did that come about and and how did she manage to get through that? So basically she was angry, and everyone says Judy had a temper. She was angry that he only got 11 years, and so were the prosecutors, and so was her family. And they did everything they could to fight to change the law. So Judy, from her hospital bed, was giving interviews despite being in constant pain, despite undergoing all these surgeries. Um, and the, she and her family started a campaign for a law called Judy's Law, 
which would add additional years to anybody who used an accelerant during an attack or did something to permanently disfigure their victim. Uh, and in the end, she and her family, they got it passed. And Judy's law will now add up to six years to sentences for those attacks. Judy fought until her last day in the hospital for a bill that was named in her honor. Governor John Kasich officially signed Judy's law earlier this month, joined by her two daughters and mother at the state house. Judy's law will now extend prison time for anyone who is convicted of using an accelerant like gasoline to harm or disfigure someone. But in the meantime, the prosecutors had come up with a plan to really nail Slager and ask Judy if she would record depositions, videotaped testimony that could later be admitted into a murder trial when she died, which is really something to ask somebody. Yeah, so it, it, it's effectively admitting to somebody, you, you are going to die here. I know. She knew she was going to die. Everybody knew she was going to die. I can't imagine in that amount of pain with that knowledge, persevering the way she did, getting a law changed, and then agreeing to testify at her own murder trial which entailed her actually, I mean, it, it made her go through a lot more, not only emotionally, but physically, because in order for her to be coherent enough to testify, and this was coming up on 18 months after the attack. I mean, it was astonishing she'd survived this long and her condition was deteriorating. So she was highly medicated, but to testify, she had to come down off those pain meds and really feel all of this awful pain. And another issue with the opioid epidemic is, you have to keep this in mind, her tolerance to these painkillers was really high. And they could only give so much before it killed her. So she was already in more pain than the average victim, if that makes sense. And coming down off of them to testify would be agony. But she did it. She agreed to do it. And she was. She gave testimony to the prosecutor. And she was cross-examined over video by the defense attorney. And Slager was so manipulative and so controlling that he even tried to get in the room. Slager himself wanted to be in the hospital room when she was giving this video testimony. But the judge, the judge stomped that down immediately and said no. But that's, I mean, it's typical abusive behavior. He wanted to be there so he could look at her and freak her out and control her. And we have a legal precedent here, though. Somebody testifying in their own murder trial, effectively. as A victim testifying. It had never been done in Ohio before. So what the prosecutors did was they took uh, cases, previous case law from, let's say, insurance cases where somebody was injured and later died. It had been used, testimony had been used in trials such as that, but never a murder trial. So this was the first time videotaped testimony from a victim would be admitted into a homicide trial in Ohio. And they argued for it and they won. And the judge allowed it. And then Judy, unfortunately, does pass away then from her injuries. She did. Judy died in June of 2017. It was two months before her 34th birthday. And then Slager was subsequently charged with murder. Judy had told everybody that she actually did not want Slager 
during the murder trial, which she knew was going to happen after her death, to face the death penalty. She and her family were devout Catholics, and she hoped that he would go to prison and somehow find religion and salvation through Jesus. And then she died. But the prosecutors, if it went to trial, were going to seek the death penalty. She didn't want him to have the death penalty. Um, She thought his life should be spared. She hoped that as long as he was alive, that perhaps he would find remorse and find God. Um, She said multiple times she was sorry that he had did this to her. Slager and his lawyer knew that. And when the video evidence, the testimony from Judy was admitted and it could have been shown in trial, they knew the jurors and the judge would send him you know, to the needle or the chair. I mean, that's not necessarily how, you know, execution works now, but they knew they'd given the death penalty. So he and his lawyer, he took he took a plea. And now he was sentenced to life in prison rather than take his odds with a jury. So ultimately, was her testimony played in court? No. No. Okay, but you, you have, you've seen it yourself. I have seen the testimony, yes. What impact did it have on on you just just even watching that? It was one of the hardest things I've actually ever had to watch because, you know, she was draining. I mean, it looked painful for her to even open her mouth. And she was draining. She was in agony. But, oh, my God, she, no one was putting anything over on her. I mean, she gave it right back to the defense attorney when he brought up her drug use and whatever, making him, you know, basically being like, it's irrelevant. And he bought me the drugs. She she was well able for anybody. And she was livid at what he had done, how he had ruined her life, her family's lives. And for anyone to have the wherewithal after going through what she had and knowing she was dying and being in constant agony, I just don't. I don't know how she did it. It was hard for me to even watch. I don't know how she could have done it. This entire story is now being made into a, a documentary. Is that right? Yes. So a documentary maker uh, named Patricia Gillespie had read about this story on like page A16 of a newspaper. It was really big local news. It was kind of big national news at the time. But the layers to it are what, first of all, the horror of the attack the strength of Judy and the layers to it really made uh, the director, the eventual director, she just got in her car and went to Ohio and interviewed everybody. And because the layers here, it it encompasses domestic violence, the justice system, the failures within it. And, uh, you know, the opioid epidemic, it's just so many awful things that came together to destroy Judy's life and she really tried to make the best of it and somehow changed the law and got justice or as much as she could have um, when it came to Slager for herself. And my thanks to Sheila Flynn for joining me today. I'm Fionn Sheehan and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Garrett Mulhall, researched by Tabitha Monaghan with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from NBC4 Columbus, MTV, Inside Edition, and the Law and Crime Network. To hear more of our award-winning journalism, visit independent.ie or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow, and leave us a review. <laughs>